Support for WIPR's podcasts comes from Brightview Senior Living. Since 1999, Brightview has proudly served Greater Baltimore with vibrant, independent living, assisted living, memory care, and enhanced care. Find a community near you at brightviewseniorliving.com. I'm kind of like the guy who's always like on the holistic stuff, trying to get people to eat granola and, and you know, like use almond milk and all this type of stuff. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm like, yo, we can just do our own church. When I was 14 years old, I fell in love with a boy who was into religion. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast. I'm Laura Wexler. And I'm Jessica Hankin. And this week on the podcast, Seekers, stories from two people creating their own spiritual path. This first storyteller has been on the podcast before. He is Damon Walker, and he's going to share a story that he told for a show that we had about essentially scary stories, Twilight Zone things, unexplained unexplained activities. So take a listen to Damon's story. All right. So my story, about I guess about three years ago, uh, my cousin, uh, she was about to be a grandma for the first time. And she kept saying that uh, she wanted to join a church so that the baby could, uh, you know, have like spiritual health you know, be blessed and come up in like a, um, you know, an environment that would nurture it. So, you know, me being like the guru of my family, I'm kind of like the guy who's always like on the holistic stuff, trying to get people to eat granola and, and you know, like use almond milk and all this type of stuff. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm like, yo, we can just do our own church. I'm like, we can just have our own church because I feel like, you know, when it's two or three people, when people come together, you know, uh, with, with a certain mindset, you know, you can invoke the power of God. I think, you know, I feel like the church is not a building. It's it's the collective of the people. So uh, so my cousin, she agreed. And and uh, it, it, we, 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 we had this Bible study for about about two years. And we would have a great spread of food. We always had like a vegan select, uh, selection. We had the, the conventional selection for like a meal. And then we had wine. And we also had marijuana. So, but... <laughs> You know, because we were very open, you know, because I like, um, you know, we called it a Bible study. And, 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 and primarily, primarily it was about, you know, the Bible and Jesus and such. But, you know, I'm a very open person. I read a lot of different ancient texts like the Bhagavad Gita, the Tao Te Ching, the, uh, put, put, uh, I can't even pronounce all the stuff. But, um, but you know, I, I like, you know, because you know, I feel like a, uh, the, uh, the spiritual message of something good, you know, it's, it's pretty much going to be the same no matter where you go. So, you know, I, I really invite people to come and be very open and, and, and speak their mind. And so this Bible study, it was great. You know, we had uh, a lot of different family members, friends of family come through. We had uh, different pastors. Um, and, and, and it was very powerful. And it was, it was something that I feel like, you know, made my family grow together in, in a great way. And um, we had this one particular Bible study towards our, our, our last Bible study. There was um, some young men that came. They were like, you know, some people may look at them, call them thugs, but they were like 24, 25 and younger. And, and what struck me about these guys, they were very learned. They had a lot of information. They, they knew a lot. They had a lot of sagacity um, in the sense that I felt like, like, did you guys, like, somebody teach you this stuff? They was like, no, we just, they were very thirsty for knowledge. 
And um, and so I was really excited for these guys to come. And, and it was a situation where I felt very um, I felt very anxious and nervous. And I usually don't feel like that when I speak to people and, and you know, hold classes and things like that. And uh, but, you know, I just went with it and we had a great Bible study. And, you know, I, like I say, I was very uh, taken by these guys. I, I, I don't usually see guys this young, you know, into the word, into, you know, trying to build their self spiritually. So, um, you know, I, I just was very happy about the study. So the study was over and uh, we went outside on the deck. You know, some people stayed in to eat and drink and stuff. So we went outside on the deck and we kept talking, but we were smoking, you know, and um <laughs> And so we were, con- you know, having our conversation. It was pretty much along the same vein as what we was having during the study. And as we were having this conversation, I, you know, I noticed out in the trees, we were about on the third floor of this apartment. We were on this deck. And so maybe about uh, two, three hundred yards away were like some trees. And, you know, I was just looking at the trees and I noticed something moving, moving in the trees. And I, I really, you know, I didn't really didn't expect it to be anything. I, and, and as it, you know, it kept moving it rose above the trees. And I was like, yo, what is that? And they was like, oh, that's a, a balloon or, you know, that's a drone. And, and I'm like, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't, I don't think it's any of that stuff. So we kept looking and, and we kind of had a collective pause to where everybody was just deathly quiet. And as we watched this thing rise above the trees, it was like the most blackest thing I've ever seen in my life. It was like liquid, it, 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 I couldn't even imagine the texture. It was. It felt. It looked like it was almost like latex. It was like liquid, moving. It was like kind of folding into itself and spinning. And and but it was. It was kind of circular. But within it, it was kind of like three different things that was kind of like morphing and and and, and molding into itself. And and as it, it just kept coming closer and closer to us, and we just was like very quiet watching this thing, and then it kind of was like a collective "oh shit!" Like what the what is this? And 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 so then you know people scrambling to get their phones out, and and so we were like looking at it, and it's it's coming closer to us, and then it just goes over the house, and we're like, well, what the hell? So we go back to look at the phone, and and so it's like I guess it was about it was it was kind of like. Seemed like it was maybe like two or three feet wide, you know, and two or feet three, three feet high. But in, in when we looked at it on the on the on the, on the uh, phone, it was like a very small like orb that was opaque. It didn't have any color to it, but it moved along the same path of what we were looking at. And you know, it, it, a lot of the people there, some people said, "Look, I ain't see nothing," you know, <laughs> just because they just didn't want to be crazy, really, you know. And and you know, but every mo- it was at least five or six of us out there. So at least at least five of us said that we saw it. And um and so what it said to me was that you know you know every time we we always pray, you know when we start and we always pray when we end. And you know what I felt like that what was happening because I didn't feel anything evil from it or bad, even though it looked kind of weird. I felt like it was something to show us that we were being recognized for what we were doing, that that what we were doing was being heard. What we was doing was being seen, and it was to show it was to show us that you know keep doing what you're doing, even if it wasn't for you know my Bible study that was happening every week. It was just to you know keep that spiritual practice up because something's watching, you know. And I, what I saw was not of this world. It's something that I can't explain. Something I really can't even equate to anything. I feel like I'm doing a very disjustice speaking right now. But you know, I looked on the internet about it. it said black orbs and stuff, and a lot of people apparently have seen this thing. But, um, you know, I, I, I really can't explain what it was, but I do understand that 
it, it showed us something for a reason. And, you know, it, it just keeps us looking for the mystery. And, that, and that's, that's what it's about. It's, it's about, like, seeking, uh, seeking God, but also hoping that God sees you. And I feel like he was saying what's up to us. You don't believe in aliens. Do you believe in aliens? I can't remember what your stance on this. It depends on the day. <laughs> what about you? Um, I definitely believe in UFOs. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, oh, and now yeah. we know the government's been tracking yeah. them all along. Well, and they're unidentified aerial objects, right? That's UAOs, right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be wrong. But yes, I think there are certainly things that the government hides and that we won't understand. But I mostly just think that this is all a simulation. And That's right, so. Oh, my God. I just so remember that one time. <laughs> Jessica called me one evening and she said, I need to talk to Mike, who's my husband. I need to ask him to please explain to me how we can be sure we're not living in a simulation. It was during and the you pandemic. You were really, really upset. <laughs> I, I hated that thought <sighs> until I just gave into it. And now I'm good with it. It makes me feel a lot better about everything. We're going to take a quick break and come back with another story. Support for WYPR's podcasts comes from Catholic Charities. Celebrating its centennial in 2023, Catholic Charities is the largest private provider of social services in Maryland. Learn more about this movement to change lives at cc-md.org. So this is one of our very early... Old, old, old as the hills, like probably 17, 16 years ago. Oh, it's so crazy. So this was at the... Creative Alliance, early Mm -hmm. days of Stoop, and the theme was, I think, reinvention stories? Can't remember. But this is a local spiritual lady, um, a dancer and a singer and musician and very, very talented individual by the name of Joanne Juskis. And this is her story that at the time, I think she was really a little reticent to share but we pressured her like we, pressured we do to her, everybody. Like we do to so many people. And I think in the end, she felt really good about sharing it. And it's an interesting take on her spiritual path. So take a listen and we'll unpack after. I've been on the stage many times, but not as a storyteller. This is brand new. Um, when I was 14 years old, I fell in love with a boy who was into religion and uh, Christianity in particular. It gets better, though. Um, And I was raised in an atheistic household where my father worked very hard to protect me from any kind of religion. So, of course, I was curious, you know. And uh, so the first thing we did was go to this guy's church. Um, And, you know, I found it all very interesting. And we were very close. And unfortunately... Um, about a year later, his parents relocated 300 miles away from where we lived in New York State to Washington, D.C. And I was heartbroken, so I did everything I could to um, skip a grade in high school and graduate early and run away to be with him. And we got a little efficiency apartment in Washington. And um, by this time, you know, fast forward, he's turned from Christianity to hallucinogens and Eastern mysticism. Which was much more fun, actually. <laughs> so, um, but he was really, we were both very, very fervent seekers. 
Um, but he was really the leader. He was sort of a mentor to me, I guess, more than even a lover. But um, he was into Scientology and divine light mission and the, the Hare Krishnas and, you know, just dragging me from one place to another. And, you know, I was, I was very bewildered. Um, but he settled on the Hare Krishnas. He, he said, this is it. This is the one. We're going to do this now. So um, I wasn't into it. I thought, I, you know, I saw them on the streets of Georgetown. I thought they were crazy. I couldn't ever imagine myself, you know, doing that kind of thing. But um, he was very insistent. And, um, but I was very resistant. And uh, I was going by train to New York to visit my parents, and I missed my bus to the train, so I had to go into the apartment and call a cab. And when I called the cab, he was sticking a, a magazine into my backpack. And it was Back to Godhead magazine, the magazine of the Hare Krishna movement. So, you know, I was like, okay. And when I was on the train, I had nothing to do, and I opened the magazine, and I found myself reading it cover to cover. I was just... You know, I had had very negative feelings about it up until that point, but I found myself so attracted to the ancient Indian wisdom. I was, you know, here were people 24 hours a day practicing bhakti yoga, this yoga of devotion, and I was very attracted to it suddenly, like overnight. So when I came back from New York, I quit my job, I gave away all my possessions, and I moved into the Hare Krishna Temple in Potomac, Maryland. And um, he moved in about a week after I did. And a couple weeks after that, now we had been living together, but when we moved to the Hare Krishnas, they had a very segregated policy of the sexes. And you really couldn't associate, especially back then, I think, I think it's changed now, but you couldn't even really speak to a member of the opposite sex unless you were married. So um, this was very difficult, especially for my boyfriend. Um, I was kind of just going gung-ho at that point. I was like, what boyfriend? I don't know. But anyway, the, the uh, temple president um, called us into his office on a Friday evening, and he suggested that we get married. And we were thinking about getting married anyway, so we decided, okay, we'll get engaged. And the very next day, um, his mother showed up and asked him to come with her. Um, she wanted to, him to help her move or something. And there was something about it that I felt very uneasy about. I just had a feeling. And when I kissed him goodbye, I just felt like maybe I wasn't going to see him again. And sure enough, I found out later, his mother took him down the road to an awaiting van with these thugs, deprogramming thugs. And, um, you know, they bound him up. They took, took him to a motel. They didn't let him eat or sleep. They, um, you know gave him all kinds of information about his religious choice. And uh, then they shipped him out to Minnesota for about six weeks to a deprogramming camp. And I don't know if they still run these places, but apparently you can get deprogrammed from any religion you want, or, or even if your parents don't like your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You know, there were people like that. So he was there for six weeks, and he came back and um, tried to get in touch with me. But by that time, I was really um, very involved with what I was doing. I was studying the Vedic scriptures. I was getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning and chanting and dancing and meditating and hearing classes for hours. And um, He was stalking me for a while, and he, tried, he contacted my father, and he asked my father to give him $10,000 to get me deprogrammed. And my father, 
not still not too happy that he had gotten the boyfriend had gotten me into this in the first place was not too keen on giving him $10,000 to get me out so I was in and I actually stayed in the Hare Krishnas for 10 years and it was it was very cool I mean I really got to dive in deeply to something I felt like I was like it was the equivalent of a PhD or something in spirituality and spiritual life and it was very positive in many ways, but on the other hand, after 10 years, I, was, I felt like I was living in clothes that were too tight, and it just didn't feel right. And more importantly, I started to feel very numb. Like all the spiritual fervor that I had had that brought me to that place was suddenly um, gone, and I was just feeling nothing. So it was probably the most difficult thing I could do to get out, not because they were preventing me, but... You know, after you've committed yourself for those many years, and I didn't have anything in the outside world. I had been cloistered. So um, I had to go through a really significant dark night of the soul where I had to, you know, live with the possibility that there may be no God in my life, that God would turn his back on me. And uh, it was very, very difficult. Probably the only other, the, the only more difficult thing was actually joining. And it was a similar thing where I had to transform so completely out of my mindset. And um, to this day, it's been many years, but to this day I'm still working on integrating um, the whole experience and uh, trying to take the good and, and live my life in a way that's sort of free from the belief system that I was so t committed to. But... Um, I don't know, have I passed five minutes yet? Okay. Um, anyway, so he, we met up again about six years later, the boyfriend and I, and it was very fascinating because he was like, what happened to you that day? And I was like, what happened to you? And we were really very, very serious and just hadn't seen each other in many, many years, but... He had gone back to Christianity, and uh, at the time I saw him, I was still in the Hare Krishnas. And uh, he, he used to look kind of like John Lennon. He was tall and thin and kind of cute, and he, he was really big and fat, so it wasn't as hard to... <laughs> no, but anyway, um, I guess the, the, the real ending of the story is that when I thought I was going to find darkness... Um, I really found a full spiritual life just within myself, and I continue to. Um, but I have to say, like, my mantra for all those years was the Hare Krishna mantra, which I don't know if you know it. I'm going to say it. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And uh, my mantra at this point is, this is my fucking life. What I find really interesting about this is usually the trajectory for like a Hare Krishna. I was in the Hare Krishnas is like, and then I got out because I learned that it was a cult and it was taking advantage, blah, 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 blah. And she's really not saying that. She's saying I got out because I chose to get out, but I learned a lot of great things. And I remember at the time being a little bit like, oh gosh, you know, 
I hope it's okay that she's saying like yeah. almost yeah. like I wish that's that's I've just not heard that take before. And yeah. she also referred to the in the story as you just heard the, the programmers as thugs. And I remember also at the time being like, oh wow, that's really controversial. But it actually turns out to be true that the programming agencies are for the most part. A lot of them are pretty corrupt and complicated and problematic. So mm-hmm. she was, you know, a trendsetter, as it were, in some ways. Anyway, that was Joanne's story. Thank you for listening to These Seekers of yes. Spiritual Enlightenment. Thank you. And um, thank you to Maureen Harvey for producing our podcast. And if you want to listen to more stories from The Stoop or learn about upcoming shows, please visit stoopstorytelling.com. You can find us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Stoop Storytelling. We will be back very soon with more stories from the Stoop. Thank you.